There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I guess you'd call them winless in Seattle. That continues to be the Rays' way as they drop all three games to the Mariners over the weekend, including a 2-1 to loss on Sunday in a game where Blake Snell was dealing and that wasn't even the worst news. Chris Archer may miss his next start with growing tightness. And some scary news about pitching coach Kyle Snyder, who remains in a Seattle hospital with what the team is calling a personal medical issue. Also, one of the Bucks' most polarizing players, cornerback Vernon Hargraves, he's trying to hang on to his starting right cornerback job. The first-round pick from Florida and Wharton High School has been a disappointment with only one interception in two years. You'll hear my exclusive one-on-one interview with Hargraves, who's candid about his struggles both on and off the field and talks about that Instagram smoking post for the first time. All that and more on this Monday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So you found your soulmate. Congratulations are in order. No doubt your head is swimming with excitement and plans for the future and not just the proposal in particular, how about the engagement ring? Do you want to surprise her with it or propose and shop together? Well, no matter what you decide about the how, the where is a slam dunk. Guys, you got to visit my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds for your engagement and wedding rings. You'll see brilliant diamonds of every cut imaginable. They have loose diamonds as well as those mounted in precious metals. And the choices available range from classic to traditional to unique and on trend. And the best thing of all, wholesale prices with no pressure look when you come in Annie's going to show you whatever catches your eye he's going to help you decide on what would be that perfect diamond for your fiance while being respectful of your price range plus you'll learn a lot about the finer points of shopping for diamonds in the process look it's continental wholesale diamonds it's where i shop and they're at 1715 northwest shore boulevard suite 150 right next to the penthouse club so, Steve, this might not be breaking news, but the Rays were swept in Seattle. They cannot win there for whatever reason. I think it's three years in a row now they've been swept. That's correct. Nine straight Mariners. games in Seattle they've lost at Safeco Field. Gosh. And, I mean. And Felix Hernandez. Look, I, I don't think they've ever beat him in 12 or 13 career starts against the Rays. No, it's crazy. He has so much confidence against them. And he's he's really a kind of a shell of his former self, but still very effective today. We can get into the Rays' approach at the plate, which I thought was kind of Kind of screwy, but um, let's work backward a little bit and talk about Sunday's game. Blake Snell, man, is this guy dealing. He, fantastic. He was in his hometown, so, you know, he's got his family there, a lot of friends and everything. First he time ties... pitching against some of his, or in front of some of his family professionally. Yeah, it's, right. It's his first start in Seattle. Right, exactly. So he's got all these people there, and he goes out there. He ties an American League record. He has seven strikeouts to start the game against the Mariners. And uh, I think eight out of his first nine batters were strikeouts. And he was just – he was dominating. But uh, the only problem he had was that, you know, he struck out 12. It, it ran up his pitch count a little bit. So he got pulled uh, in the six or after six innings when he got up to around 100 pitches. And, you know, the Rays had a one to nothing lead at the time. 
RBI double in the fourth inning by Brad Miller. But, man, it all evaporated in the eighth inning. Jose Alvarado came in. He walks the first batter, Ryan Healy, to start. Those, and those, then, those leadoff walks kill you. Oh, four-pitch walk, not even yeah. a strike. So I, I that think, really I think I've heard it, it in baseball, and I, this may not be 100% accurate, but I've heard it in the past, like, you know, well over 40% of, of uh, leadoff walks score. Oh, um, I believe that. You know, I don't. And that may have just been one year or something. But I mean, it's when you give up a leadoff walk, it's crazy how often it seems like they score. Yeah, and it's almost you know it's really hard to win a one to nothing game on the road when the other team has the last at bats anyway. Um, but this was in the eighth inning, and so uh, if as if that wasn't bad enough, the leadoff walk. What really did them in was um, they tried a uh, a sacrifice bunt. Alvarado fielded it kind of nonchalantly a little bit, and then he gunned it to first. And then your boy, Brad Miller, botched it trying to catch the ball. This guy has so many troubles at first base trying to catch. Uh, and he was really only playing first base because, what, earlier in the game? Um, C.J. Crone got Crone. hit in the right forearm. Uh, right. About, he stayed in the game for a while but then came out right uh, forearm contusion, x-rays negative. So that's, I mean, right. that's good long term. But, yeah, he was out of the game, so Brad Miller was playing first. He doesn't catch the ball, gets E3. Yeah, now you got first and third, um, a situation like that. And instead of having, you know, a guy on second with one out, the Rays have to deal with runners on the corners and no out. And wouldn't you know, one Denard Span, who the Rays had just traded on May 25th, he makes him pay. He rips a single to right field, drives in the run, and that sends uh, Guillermo Heredia to third, who had tried the bunt and got on on the air. And so – it looked like Alvarado was going to get out of it. He strikes out Mike Zizino. Um, but then D. Gordon, they got the infield in, drawn in, and he just bloops one uh, over yeah. the head of the shortstop, and that was it. Yeah, that was the thing. But, and, and, you know, and, and the leadoff walk starts it, but, you know, barely balls out of the infield. And, yeah. You know, the one over Robertson's head at short, I mean, you can almost, I mean, it was practically still in the infield, uh, just out of his right. reach over his head that, you know, soft hit balls. But when you give up that leadoff walk, those things can happen. Exactly right. So now the Rays, after starting this road trip very promisingly, winning three out of four in Oakland, and at one time they had won five in a row, now they've dropped four straight overall. So instead of being two games over 500, which was the high-water mark, they are now two games below at 28 and 30. We've talked about, you know, they were – look, we were – rightfully so. We had Mark Tompkin on, was raving about the Rays. How are they doing it? Two games over 500 with the start that they had. At that point, uh, they are about to win their third straight – in Oakland, and um, now it's turned on them. And it's been, you know, it's not been the pitching really per se, uh, even though Alvarado had a little bit of struggles with a four-pitch walk. It's really been more about, you know, their offense or the lack thereof. They just haven't been able to put together the hits like they were doing earlier in this year. And, you know, it's, we, you know, it's one of those things which in a way you look back at it, not too surprising, although, you know, batting average-wise, they were second in the American League there for a while. They had been scoring uh, some runs in bunches. Now that now it's completely shut down. And listen to this stat. Mark Tompkin had this. This is an unbelievable stat to tell you about where the Rays are right now. The record is 9-9 nine and nine when the Rays allow, get this, two runs or less. Two runs or less. They're 9-9. Nine and nine. How is that even possible? Compare this to the rest of the league, the other 29 teams, which are, when they allow two runs or less, are 462 and 80. That's an 852 winning percentage. And so it's, I mean, they're bucking any possible trend. 
Um, and th- this includes, so they've had now six games of two to one, two games one to nothing, and one two to nothing game. Those are the those are the uh, nine games that they have lost in uh, allowing two or run two le- runs or less in a game. So they've also lost now uh, three consecutive series for the Rays in Seattle. That's nine straight, and so they're down to uh, the the last time they won there. As a matter of fact, was two thousand. And fifteen. Yeah. Now let's give you know Seattle credit. First of all, this is a very good team. They're in first place in the American League West. Um, and oh yeah. The race schedule this month is brutal, absolutely brutal. So they started with three at the Mariners, who's in first place. They've got two at the Nationals, who are a game and a half out of the NL East, and I believe a wild card team at this point. Then they host the Mariners for four, first place team. Then they get three right. against the Blue Jays. That's your rest. Then they're four at the Yankees, who's a first place team. Three at the Astros, who's a half game behind Seattle in the AL West in the second wild card right now. <laughs> then you get yeah. three against the Yankees at home, the first place team. You get the Nationals at home for two, second place team in a wild card. And then you host the Astros for four. This month is brutal. Three games against teams that aren't in the playoffs right now, the whole month. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that they play in the American East. So, you know, there's two series against the Yankees. And then uh, you mentioned home and away with the Seattle Mariners, who, and, and the by Astros. the way, did. Did you realize this, that the Mariners, uh, who lead the Astros in the NOS, the Mariners have – I did not – it seems improbable to me. The Mariners have not made the playoffs since they won 116 games mm-hmm. or something like that in 2001. Yeah, Felix Hernandez, who's in his 13th season, 12th, 13th season, has never been to the playoffs. And here's the scary – That's incredible. Here's the scary part. So King Felix, who's the greatest pitcher ever to come out of Venezuela, the greatest pitcher probably in Mariners history as far as longevity, um, is you know a tremendous pitcher, probably a Hall of Fame type pitcher. If they make the playoffs, he may not pitch because he's not he's one not, of the top. He's three not starters, the, Paxton, Paxton's their best starter for sure, but they've got other ones right. that are better than him right now. That they I, get to, they I get to the play, especially especially if you get in a wild card game where it's one, you know, one and done. One yeah. and done. I mean, they may make the playoffs for the first time in his career, and he may not pitch. That's I know they'd like to get him in, but I mean, if you're in the playoffs, you got to play to win. You can't play to appease your greatest pitcher ever. So, it, yeah. I mean, that's a long way off still, but it'll be interesting that you know they could do that, and he may not pitch, which you know a year or two ago would have been unfathomable. But he's not what he used to be. He's not, but I can't imagine that they that that he wouldn't at least if he didn't start that he wouldn't at least be on the roster. And well, I, th- I think he'll be on the stuff. roster, and and he may go to the bullpen or something like that during this. You yeah. know, depending on. You know who's the, who the matchup is, and if it's one game, if it's a best of five, is you know you know where they finish first, wild card, et cetera. But right, but it's kind of scary to think that that he may make it for the first time and not put pitch or not start. I mean, he may make it. You know, if you're in a division series, he may come out of the pen. Yeah, that is something. I mean, the Rays went what like 34 innings without a lead until they got one today, one to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this series was weird. I mean, they had a chance to win a couple of these games. What was it? Friday night was four to three and a walk off homer in the thirteenth inning. I want to say. Yeah, well, they they get a run off Diaz. They're maybe the best closer in the game, or definitely one of the best closers to in the tie game. it. They tie yeah. it in the ninth and then lose it in the thirteenth. They lose three to one on on Saturday, and then of course two to one, giving it up in the eighth on Sunday. Right now, Chris Archer pitched pretty well. He didn't go very long, and it turns out the reason was he had a uh, a bit of a groin issue, and so that means that uh, he's questionable for his next start. He's going to spend, I guess, Monday uh, at the doctor's office 
and he'll be in. Uh, he has an appointment in Philadelphia with a, a core muscle specialist, Dr. William Myers. So that's where he's headed. Look, some of this is precautionary, but it's something that um, he's never really dealt with before. You know, the Rays have just had all kinds of bad luck in terms of injuries um, to pitchers when you think about it. I mean, you think about Brent Honeywell and Jose De Leon and how they're gone with the, the Tommy John before the season ever started. Then Yanni Chirinos um, goes down. Now, he may come back. Um, you know, he had the forearm strain. Nathan Evaldi, pitched you know, got hurt right before yeah. opening day. There he's you go. Just, he's yeah. only pitched one game. He'll pitch a second game on Tuesday night. Of course, he has not given up a hit this season yet. That's true, yeah. I mean, he was had a no-hitter and threw six, and they had to take him out. And now, um, you know, you would say, well, okay, so if they're going to lose Archer, who could be down? How about Anthony Bonda? Well, nope, that's not going to work either. He's now sidelined with a forearm strain of his own, and that has the potential. When you hear forearm strain, you worry about Tommy John with him. So um, not going, not trending well for the Rays in terms of their pitching uh, as they enter this tough stretch that you just mentioned. And then on top of all of that, a really scary thing is that, uh, and not much detail here, but pitching coach Kyle Snyder, you know, this is his first year. He's 40 years old. He's been in the organization for for, uh, a long time. Well, he had to stay back. He missed Saturday's game, wasn't feeling well, then missed Sunday as well. And now the Rays are saying that he uh, is staying at a Seattle hospital after he was admitted Saturday with what the team is calling a, quote, personal medical issue. Um... So, you know, he coached Friday. He was seen at the hotel Saturday morning, um, but, but then hospitalized and, and not, not traveling with them to D.C. So that's a, that's a scary thing. Not much information. I, I'm not even going to begin to speculate what this is. But You just hope the best. You hope the best for him and yeah, his family absolutely. And, and, you know, whatever they're dealing with. But I'm nervous that, uh, <clears throat> you know, that he wasn't able to, uh, to make the trip and, and stayed home. But hopefully they'll correct it so- shortly and he can, uh, he can make his way back to Tampa. He's from Sarasota, so I mean, he's a guy that's, uh, you know, from this area, obviously. And uh, oh, one more so thing. yeah, Carlos Gomez needs to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Remember when he just complained, what, 10 minutes ago that he keeps getting the, quote, random drug test, right, when he was chosen in Oakland to do that? Ding, 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 ding. Happened again. That's right. Uh, he, what, he hit a home run a couple days ago, so um, he's been questioning this in MLB uh, you know, supposedly uh, issued a statement to the Tampa Bay Times last week, and they kind of, you know, insisting that, no, 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 this is random. Well, he needs to go buy a lottery ticket because if if he was to the Florida lottery what he is to random drug testing, he, he wouldn't have to play any more baseball. Um, yeah, I got tested again. Boy, that guy's really struggling, man. He He's just fighting himself sometimes. It's it's hard to watch. They came up, you know, this game, the Rays had a chance to blow this game open against uh, King Felix so many times. And I didn't understand the approach they had. I mean, they left guys on base all over the place. They had bases loaded, one out, first and second, nobody out. It happened the whole game. But he was pitching backwards because, you know, his fastball now tops out at maybe 90 miles an hour, mostly. It was about 88, 89 most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what he had. And, you know, everything he threw, I think he threw – you know, between the breaking balls and, and the uh, change-ups, it was probably 75% of his repertoire. And these guys were going up there early in counts and swinging at this stuff and then getting themselves in the hole. And, you know, he'd bust one, you know, 55 feet in the dirt, and they'd swing at it, and that would be it. He struck out seven. But they also, because they swung so early in the count, 
I mean, he shouldn't have lasted more than five innings, certainly not more than six, and that's, um, you know, that's that's sort of where he should have been. But instead, he gets all the way, you know, through the through what the uh, the eighth inning, and um, they couldn't knock him out. He's got to be very confident every time he sees the race, because like you said, I don't think he's ever lost to him. But he's a shell of his former self, and yet um, I just thought their approach was weird. It just seemed like they were up there. You know, I mean, if you know, I'm look. I'm, the, the old I'm not Felix Hernandez—that's how I would approached it, right? Not sure. this Felix absolutely, Hernandez. but not this guy. And I don't play at the major league level. I just know that if a guy is is throwing seventy five percent off speed stuff, you you go up there and you make him throw it for strikes, and you 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 know, you protect if you get two strikes. But you're probably not going to see a fastball. And if you know everything is slow, if you know everything's off speed. You can really kind of sit back. I mean, 89, he can't throw by you unless you get two strikes and you're looking curveball, and then here comes 89 and you're late. That happened to Gomez one time. Um, but I don't know how. I don't know why anybody guess hits with two strikes. I mean, at that point, you need to just protect the plate. But it was just – it was – I mean, some, he. I think he had two innings where he threw seven pitches combined, like the fourth and fifth innings, you know, just ground – just beating the ball on the ground, you know, breaking balls away – swinging at stuff that, you know, wasn't really – I mean, wait until he hangs one, and then, yeah, if he does that, punish him. But um, they were getting themselves out. I didn't I didn't feel like King Felix was really that sharp, but um, there he was, you know, with allowing just the one run. And I think he got the win because he, he was a pitcher of record in the eighth inning when they came back and won. Um, so, yeah, tough weekend for the Rays, and, you know, we'll see what they can do as they go to, to D.C. now. By the way, the, the Nationals lost on a walk-off in Atlanta. So they're not going to be feeling too good about Charlie themselves. Culberson for Atlanta. Just a quick note: the first player in the Atlanta Braves history. This is before, after Milwaukee Braves, but Atlanta Braves history to have two pinch hit home run walk off home runs in the same season, and he did it in one week. And it's his only two home runs of the season, mm-hmm. which is incredible. I think he did it. Yeah, he did it. What last Monday or something yep. like that? Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta's got it going, man. They're a good ball club. Their, good their pitching club. is a lot better than anyone anticipated it would be. And that's what's, right. you know, we saw that when they were uh, at the trot for a couple games. I mean, their bullpen was a lot better than anyone expected that to be. And they got some good hitters, too, some good young hitters. So, meanwhile, uh, we mentioned C.J. Crone. You know, he's got the right forearm, so we'll find out what happens uh, what happens with him. And um, so, yeah, a couple beat-up guys now. And like I said, the pitching situation has not been good pretty much all year in terms of injuries, and so they're going to have to figure a way to uh, to endure that. So last week I had a chance to uh, talk to Vernon Hargraves one-on-one, and we're going to play his interview in just a minute. Hargraves, you might remember, is a guy that uh, the Bucks drafted first over – not first overall, but in the first round. I think he was number 12, if I'm not mistaken, 11 or 12, somewhere in there, two years ago. Ha- only has one interception. He, you know, They thought he was a ball hawk. Um, I thought he played better the second half of his rookie season. And then last year, injuries was a big thing. You know, He missed – half the games I think with a hamstring problem and um, you know they they moved him around and now he's trying to learn two positions he's hanging on to a starting right cornerback spot but then when they go to their sub packages with three or more receivers he's playing inside sort of in the slot position that uh, Ronnie Barber made famous in fact Barber's the only guy I've known um, with the Bucks anyway they could move between playing corner outside and, and then moving inside. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So difficult position for Hargraves to be in, and yet they're going to give him every chance to win the job. He's also a guy, though, that, that has you know had some made some news off the field. If you remember back in March, there was that Instagram video. We don't know how old it is of him uh, smoking an unknown substance. Some people speculated that it was uh, marijuana or something like that. Well, Hargraves has not talked about that until I had a chance to uh, to catch him after practice or one of the OTAs the other day. We talked about his career, what he's trying to do this season, and he speaks about the Instagram post as well. What kind yeah. of challenge is that for you? Um, it's extremely difficult. Playing at two positions, I'm not even going to act like it's not. Because yeah, I don't know anybody that did it other than right. like Ronnie Barber maybe. But. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's difficult, but, you know, once you learn the defense and you understand what's going on, it becomes simpler, and that's the point I'm at. I know the defense now. Yeah. So now it's just about getting reps yeah. and seeing certain things and messing it up and doing it right. So, you know, I enjoy it, though. This is what I want to do. This is what I talked to the coaches about doing. So really? I'm happy for the opportunity. So that was your, your statement to them was, hey, let me do as much as I can inside, outside? Of course. Okay. Yes, now, what do you like playing inside? What, what do you like about that position? Because it is a totally different position. Yeah. Um, you know, it's different, but it's, a lot of it's the same. A lot of it's man-to-man. Right. Just inside, at the inside position. Right. And, you know, I have a good sense inside there. I just, it's natural. When I first got drafted here, that's where they started me. I know. And, yeah. um... I liked it. Here, I liked it a lot, and I was making some plays. So, and I figured I'm the best guy that we have to do it. Yeah. So I said I'll do it. No, no issues, no problem. You're pretty physical, aren't you? I mean, to you have to hold up in there with those guys. You have to be, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, um, you know, your, your first two years, like your rookie season. I thought the second half, you know, you just kind of took off and had a really good second half. And then last year, injuries were a big part of your story. Um, but just if you looked at the two years for yourself and the expectations that come with being a first first round pick, what, what, how would you describe the first two years that you had? Well. The first two years I had, they've been down years. They've been real average. You know, as a first rounder, obviously they're expecting production. Yeah. You know, and it, it's plain and simple. It's not that complicated. I just haven't been producing. But they believe in me. They know what I can do. They obviously, they're, they're moving me inside and outside. That just shows the amount of faith that they have in me. And I'm grateful. And, uh, you know, they, they know what I can do. They, they're just telling me to get it going. And I just, I just got to make some plays, find a way to be productive. We see you make plays out here all the time. Expect that. But is that a confidence builder when you're going out here like today? When you uh, yeah, of course, of course, it's always confidence. Always a confidence. Boost I know you've never play. been a guy to not have confidence, but right, right, right. Of course, of course, you want to make as many players as possible. But uh, as we all know, Sundays is what counts. So yeah. hopefully, I can transform what I'm doing out here on the Sundays. I think we'll be alright. Do you like the fact that they said, "Hey, we want you to do that. We agree with you, but this is your job." You know, I know they've drafted guys, and Carlton, if you move inside, might be a guy that help outside. But like. You know, right. sure to lose, basically. Right. I mean, it, I, I don't. Competition is is what got me where I am today. Right. I don't mind who you bring in. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't concern me. It doesn't affect me. Yeah. I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. In order to produce and to get on the field, so yeah. I love competition. I love the guys that they bought in. Yeah. They Are they good in. good players? Or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they're good players. They're learning it faster than I learned it. That's what people have said. Like they, yeah. They're picking up things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, picking it up fast. It's a complicated defense. So it's not the easiest to learn, but uh, you know they got it. Right. They got it. They just got to get a little used to the speed, just normal stuff. 
but um, you know they look good. Is there something to being in your third year in this defense is a huge advantage because I mean you know no one knew what they were doing the first year. And last year you battled injuries and things. I mean right. is this a different deal for you? Of course, of course. Everybody's comfortable now. Like yeah. you said, first year, a little bit last year we were kind of iffy on um, yeah. what we were doing. A lot of players in and out. Mm-hmm. A lot of players, a lot of guys in and out. So. You know, but this year now we started over, started from scratch. Yeah. Everybody learned it from day one, so uh, everybody knows what everybody has to do. Almost, we're almost there. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot more comfortable. You can tell guys are playing faster. Guys are a lot more. Guys are speaking up. So I'm seeing a ton of plays out here on defense. Oh, yeah. You guys kicked their ass a little bit today. Oh, yeah. I know it could go either way, but you got after them, right? Oh, yeah. And that's sure. that's what you want to see. Of course. Of course, you know. Yeah. Final yeah. thing, and I'm not making a big deal about this, but the offseason whole Instagram stuff. What happened there? What you make it as an old video? Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how that came up. Videos old. Um, I don't know. I found out just like everybody else found out. Yeah. Kind of woke up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to be more careful. Yeah. There's no excuse for it. Got to be more careful. Got to watch who I'm around and right. who I'm sending stuff to and who 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 can see me and, and things of that nature. And you know, I talked to. The guys upstairs, Mr. Light, and you yeah. know, we had a good conversation, and everything's we're moving past it. Right. Just got to be more careful. Got to be a pro. Yeah, social media. You know, like hold the camera, right? People assume that was marijuana, was it? Let me just say that the one thing about Vernon Hargraves is, and, and I respect this about him, and I have since he came into the league, is that he doesn't duck you at all. Uh, you, you ask him a straightforward question, you could hear the straightforward answers. Um, you know, it's rare for a guy to say, look, I'm not going to kid you. Um, it's hard to do what I'm trying to do. It's hard to learn two positions. Uh, and, and they kind of, you know, put him at a new position as a rookie. And so I think that may have gotten him off to a slow start his rookie season. He got better as the year went along. Um, but but Vernon is is so upbeat and so confident. I mean, you know, and that's sort of what you need at that position. Uh, and so for that reason, like, I don't, I don't really have as much doubt that he's not going to come back and play well. You know, I've done this a long time, and there are some players that it takes a little while for them to really get going, and there's no rhyme or reason for it necessarily. Um, I think that you know Mike Smith's defense has been one of the one of the factors for sure. That it's it's something that's uh, a little more complicated than your average defense. They have so many different coverages. Hell, they played 14 of them against Julio Jones, and none of those worked. Um, so you know you can imagine that a young player might struggle trying to learn two positions in that defense. And I think, you know, I think his confidence, uh, at least in terms of being aggressive in coverage, might have gotten beat, beat up a little bit. But he seems completely focused and, um, you know, seems like a guy that's determined to do well. He, he takes it in stride. I think he has that sort of mentality you have to have as a corner that, you know, kind of a short memory and um, not really dwell on the negatives and, and kind of stay true to the process. And, you know, the other part of it is, and I talked to Carlton Davis about this, is that he's a great teammate. I mean, look, Carlton Davis is going to help them, whether Vernon uh, starts or doesn't start. You know, when when they go to the sub packages, Carlton Davis is probably going to play that that spot outside. And he's been as gracious with his time and, and telling him, hey, you know, don't beat yourself up too bad. You know, it's going to take time. You don't expect to, to know everything. Um, mess up, do make as many mistakes now as you need to, uh, and just learn from them because, you know, when, when the regular season starts, you'll be that much further ahead. And all those guys have said that the, the new draft picks they have, whether it's MJ Stewart or Carlton Davis or Quick Studies, that they really do kind of get it a lot faster even than Hargraves did when he was a rookie. So um, I, think, I think Hargraves is a guy you root for. Now, you know, the stuff about, 
the Instagram. I think he learned from it. Um, I, you may not have heard very well uh, in the end of that interview, but what he said to me when I asked him, you know, people speculated that this was marijuana, was it? And it was a very faint, but he said definitively, he goes, no. Um, so the last answer, if you didn't hear it, was no. And, um, you know, he looked me straight in the eye and said that. So take it for what it's worth. He's talked to Jason Light, as he said. Um, they're willing to move forward. And, and uh, you know, I think, I think they're rooting for Vernon Hargraves, and I know Bucks fans are. So I was, uh, I was impressed with him, and uh, it was good to catch up with him. We've got more stuff coming uh, this week, of course. I, I don't know if you had a chance to read the story in the Tampa Bay Times or on TampaBay.com about Noah Spence that Greg Allman did. It's a really good story. It'll be, uh, I think, in print here in a few days uh, as well. And Noah's a guy that uh, you know went through a, a special surgery this year where they took uh, a bone uh, from part of his shoulder and placed it underneath uh, the area that uh, you know to to help it uh, prevent from dislocating or becoming. Um, you know, popping out of socket again. So he feels like he's really come back and has a full range of motion and, uh, you know, is up to 256 pounds when he got below 230 last year. So all of that, you know, that would be a bonus if the Bucks are able to get Noah Spence back, uh, even as a designated pass rusher, in addition to all the additions they made in the offseason with Bo Allen and Benny Curry and Jason Pierre-Paul and um, those guys, Mitch Unrein. So, that would be a big bonus if uh, Noah Spence can help them. So lots going on with the Bucks and OTAs. Uh, we'll be out there again on Thursday when they're open to the media. And then next week, it's the uh, mandatory minicamp. So uh, a couple of days, three days of that. And that'll be it, folks. They'll be done. The players will, at least until they report back uh, in July sometime for training camp. So the offseason is uh, almost over, or at least about ready to go on hiatus. And then when we get back in July, it'll be the real thing. So we're getting here. It's getting there fast. Also over the weekend, I want to mention that uh, I was at one of Jameis's events. Greg Allman covered the other. But on Friday night, uh, he had this thing uh, at a dealership in Pinellas Park um, for his Dream Forever Foundation. It was $350 a person to uh, to go in there and kind of – it was like he's touted as an evening with Jameis Winston – and um, good crowd was on hand. I saw Rod Higgins there. I saw some other people. Um, and they were, you know, just kind of rubbing elbows with Jameis, talking about his foundation. He's putting together um, these high-tech rooms like he has at Alexander Elementary School where he's paid for state-of-the-art equipment so that these kids, particularly at these uh, schools that have a lot of underprivileged kids and, um, you know, don't have a chance to get this kind of equipment, they're building these rooms. And so a lot of money was raised that night. And then, of course, on the weekend – um, he did a football camp a couple days, and a lot of his teammates showed up. In fact, a heck of a lot of them showed up, including one that isn't his teammate. And Todd, Todd Gurley was there, as a matter of fact. Uh, Jameis sponsored 16 kids that came from Alabama because normally he would have a camp in Alabama, but because his wife-to-be, uh, his fiance, is uh, expecting their first child, um, you know, the beginning of July, I think around July 4th or so, he's unable to travel, so... Uh, he bussed those kids in and their families and took them to Bush Gardens and did a lot of things with them. Had a bunch of Special Olympics uh, athletes there as well. So Jameis Winston doing a lot to uh, to try to get back, and it was a good weekend for him to uh, interact with the community. And, um, you know, you can kind of see uh, how important uh, it is for him to get this foundation kind of kind of going. So happy trails to USF. They lose 6-1 to to Oklahoma State, uh, and that's their second loss. They were eliminated on Sunday from the NCAA 
regional tournament and a pretty good season for USF though I must say um, I was watching I think Derek Sharp or somebody had had posted um, a video of uh, them leaving the field and a lot of fans were at that game in DeLand at Stetson and gave him a big hand and deservedly so so they were eliminated uh, it's not the the end of uh, the season in a way I, we got the Major League Baseball draft coming up. Well, Shane McClanahan of USF expected to be drafted in the first round tonight for the Major League Baseball draft. I know everyone uh, watches that from uh, beginning to end every year. Yeah, all 72 rounds of it, it seems. <laughs> um, the Rays uh, got a bunch of picks in this thing. They got three of the top 32 picks. I think their first one is number 16. Yep, 16, uh, 31, 32, and then, and then they get another two of them um, on day one like through pick 70. So they'll have right. five in the first 70 picks, which is good. And over $12 million or so in the bonus pool. So um, the word is that they're going to be focusing uh, possibly on some higher upside, higher uh, cost high school talent, which, um, you know, sometimes takes longer to develop, but is is very often your bigger prospects. Um, you know, you can go the college route too, but uh, generally speaking, a lot of these high school kids go pretty high. Uh, so that might be where their focus is. We'll have to see on that. And then speaking of USF, Mark Harlan is leaving to go to the University of Utah. Didn't he just sign like a new deal like yesterday? He did ten minutes ago, and now it's now it's voided apparently. So he's out at USF. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Mark Harlan era, <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, certainly they had some restarts in basketball. I know that. Well, yeah, I think um, you know. I think you know. Time will tell on that, especially with basketball and football hires. Charlie Strong on the football side replacing Willie Taggart, who left for Oregon. And then, of course, right. Brian Gregory in his first Florida season um, last year. Uh, the ba- I mean, the basketball team had basically nobody left on the roster. They had a, you know, a handful of players. Um, they got better as the season went along, so I'm curious to see how Brian Gregory does over the next year, two, three at USF. And, mm-hmm. and that will kind of determine how good Mark Harlan was, especially with the two big sports like that. What's really interesting about this is the job. And there are a lot of interesting names that are coming up, um, two in particular. And – I. Look, I, I don't know how this is going to go, and there's positives and negatives on both of them, but um, start with Derek Brooks, who, you know, is certainly somebody that would be uh, revered, almost like Leroy Selman, a first ballot Hall of Fame player and an iconic uh, Buccaneer player who, by the way, works for Jeff Venick's media group now since they don't have the Tampa Bay Storm that are active, and he was their GM. Um, you know, for the storm, and, and that group still, has the sponsorship USF rights to rights. all of USF stuff at the Sun Dome. Uh, That's for right. Radio networks for their programs for all that stuff. And Derek has been um, spending a lot of time of late with Charlie Strong, going around trying to raise money for an indoor uh, facility. Uh, and you know, we'll see what happens with respect to the stadium that they have sort of done, you know, some studies on. I don't know whether that's uh, – my, my personal opinion is that's not going to happen simply because the alumni would have to pay the bulk of it, and I think the alumni in particular are happy with Raymond James Stadium. Uh, and it's it's very costly, and, and you're not necessarily going to get the same kind of stadium, even though I know they'd love to have one on campus. But nonetheless, Derek Brooks, I would think uh, – in fact, I'm fairly certain, uh, confident in saying he would be interested in this job – even though he has a bunch of jobs, you know, he, he has a job as, as a guy in the NFL that does arbitration on suspensions and things like that. Um, so, you know, he's a very busy guy. But I think I think being a, an athletic director in this home in his hometown now, his adoptive hometown of Tampa and USF, 
might be something that would interest him, um, even though his son is going to Florida State, uh, which is neither here nor there. But uh, the other name you hear, um, and there are a bunch of them, but I'll just mention these two, is Rob Higgins, um, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, who I think would be uh, in many ways. Now, he'd be you know a very, very much an administrative type, but think of, of the job he has done in bringing major events to Tampa. People don't so realize what an asset this community has when it comes to events, whether it's the national championship or Super Bowls or Final Fours or Frozen Fours. Or um, Rob Higgins is the driving force behind all that in this community, and, and most people don't know him. If you're in the sports community, you do, absolutely. But he is a tremendous person. Went to USF, USF mm-hmm. graduate. Um, right. He would be. It's not necessarily the first name that came to mind when I thought of of the job. But, you know, as people have talked about it, and I've heard that too, um, Mm -hmm. the more I'm convinced it could be a home run hire. Yeah. And they've got, you know, they've got coaches over there that have been there for a long time that also will be considered. They're going to name an interim athletic director here shortly. So um, that person may or may not also be a candidate. We'll see who it is. Joey Knight from the Tampa Bay Times tweeting out as we're recording this podcast that on Monday he's hearing USF will name an interim director. Now, he's heard three or four names, so not sure who, who it might be, but the interim may be named on Monday. Right. And um, the Bucks also have their cut for a cure, um, I guess, uh, haircutting day, if you will, this uh, this morning over at One Buck Place. Jason Light has, has pledged to uh, cut his hair <laughs> uh, if they can raise $100,000 or more, and I think they're going to do that. Um, you can go – you can find these links almost any place if you want to go – uh, to Jason Light's Twitter feed, or even um, I believe Joe McCoy tweeted something out. Congratulations to him, by the way, him and his wife expecting a new baby boy. So um, that'll be great for them uh, coming up here in the near future. But uh, the Cup for the Cure, which is to to benefit uh, pediatric cancer research, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Yeah, all the teams so do it. The Lightning get behind it on their end. The Rays sure. do the same during spring training. The Bucks have gotten behind sure. it. It's a tremendous cause, tremendous uh, event and it's fun to see all the uh, you know, usually it's the kids shaving their heads um, yes yes you know which is a, a great visual too and just a, a, it's a fun time and the participation will be big so it'll be fun out there this morning uh, as we watch the bucks go go through that so um, busy week ahead obviously with the OTAs and the Rays moving on now to play the, the Washington Nationals we'll see how this road trip finishes up with them with the injuries we'll give updates Hopefully, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to Kyle Snyder and his family for a quick recovery, and hopefully he can get back with the race here pretty soon. But we are here Monday through Friday, and we appreciate you guys joining us. We love the interaction. We'll probably have a mailbag this week, um, so we'd love for you guys to uh, send your questions to us. You can do that on Twitter. You can reach us at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me at NFL Stroud, or you can email me at rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com And as always, please, please rate and review this podcast wherever you can get it, which is a lot of places, right, Steve? Anywhere you get podcasts, whether you're getting it through iTunes, maybe you have an Android, you use Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, the podcasts are all there. You can like it there, subscribe there, leave comments too. Or you can always go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episodes are always posted there too. Hope you enjoyed uh, the update uh, on the Rays and the interview with Vernon Hargraves. And for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hold up. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.